0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the aren't weak.
1: For a long time, websites have been these sort of digital brochures for companies that simply explain who a company is and what they do. But Jale Rizai believes that they could be so much more than that. Jale is the CEO and co-founder of Mutiny, which offers companies the opportunity to personalize their websites for each unique visitor. And when they do that, Jale says that the increase in conversions and leads is greater than you can imagine. She explains the process, the results, and more on this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
2: Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. We are joined by special guest, Jolly, what's going on?
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: Life is good. We are super excited to talk to you today about what you are building at Mutiny and a bunch of the stops that you've had along the way. We're going to talk about how important your website is for all of those B2B companies out there. Um, But first, how did you get into marketing?
1: You know, I was one of those um, weirdos where I started as an engineer and then switched into marketing. Um, So, you know, my parents are both chemical engineers and I grew up in a household where we were always problem solving and, you know, uh, we were always doing some sort of a puzzle I would dismember my Barbies and put them back together. And my mom had this joke that, you know, I was either going to grow up to be an engineer or a serial killer. (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, they were really happy that it was engineering that I chose.
2: I thought you were going to say bit of both. (laughs) I was going to say, wait, (laughs) this isn't a crime. This isn't a crime podcast, so. No breaking
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, I'm not going to come out and tell everyone. Um, and so I started in engineering. Um, and then when I was kind of towards the end of the program uh, at Berkeley, I started getting more exposure to business. And I think at the time, I didn't really understand what business was. Um, and once I understood the challenges in business, which was all about, you um, you know, getting innovative products and services into the hands of the people that they help and all of the, the technology that would be required to be successful at that. Um, I really kind of fell in love with the idea of business and ended up switching um, and going into uh, B2B marketing.
2: So flash forward to today, tell me about Mutiny.
1: Mutiny helps B2B companies uh, personalize their buying experience. Today we're exclusively focused on the website. So helping companies, whether they are um, supporting a self-service funnel or a target account ABM funnel or both, um, we help them be able to identify who's coming to their website and provide the uh, most compelling, um, highest converting experience uh, to those people.
2: And we're going to get into customer journey a bunch in this in this show. Sixty seven percent of the B two B buying journey is now online. Uh, we're going to get into all that stuff. But I'm curious, what why was this uh, why was this company, you know, sitting around banging around in your in your mind? Why did you feel compelled to uh, to create it?
1: You know, I think part of what makes building Mutiny really exciting for me is that it was a problem that i personally experienced and attempted to solve as a head of marketing myself Uh, so before starting mutiny um, you know i was at uh, vmware and in a product marketing role uh, and working with sales teams uh, to close really large deals and kind of learning and understanding all of the personalization and customization that is required to be successful at B2B acquisition. Then I went to Gusto uh, from the very early uh, pre-series A days. uh, And by the time I left, it was uh, 500 folks. And there I led BizDev and marketing. And um, we had a very small deal size. So most of our customer acquisition had to happen online. Um, And that pushed us to really think about how can you be good at customer acquisition within a digital funnel um, and uh, for me, it was kind of crazy that uh, you know the website was this one big digital brochure, and that every customer was getting the same experience and and so we started to experiment a lot with personalization, you know trying to match the post-click experience for a user based on the keywords that they were coming in through, um, you know, dynamically changing and updating their web pages. Um, We started to build a lot of kind of more custom personalization with things like if someone's signing up for the website, showing them who else in their zip code is already a customer um, and, you know, a number of different uh, types of personalizations. And, and and after building a series of these, you know, at the company, um, it started to hit me that, you know, wow, personalization works incredibly well and this is something that every B2B company is going to need, but it's really, really difficult to do it, right? We need analysts, we need uh, engineers, we need designers, you know, every time we want to do something um, with personal. It's kind of a custom separate one-off project. Um, And I had a really clear vision around how we could create a platform that um, was incredibly easy to use, didn't require any code that would allow any B2B marketer to be able to create personalized experiences. Um, And so I left with eventually my co-founder and he was also an early engineering manager at Gusto. So we both left to, to start uh, mutiny. And actually day one of building mutiny for us was uh, Y Combinator.
2: Yeah. What was it like going through YC?
1: It is a really fast paced experience. um, And I think that's what I loved about it. Um, You know, I think you have uh, so many other, Founders who are really passionate about a problem that they are solving, and you have um, this end goal, which is demo day. And for demo day, everyone has a goal that they're working towards. So, usually, it's a goal uh, around revenue or users, but whatever that goal is, it's something very important and compelling for your business, and it's a very aggressive goal. And so, you're working um, at this really high velocity to be able to hit that goal on demo day. And that creates such incredible focus for um, your team um, because you physically cannot achieve that goal if you are not 100% focused on the biggest problem every week. And so I think a lot of the um, uh, what that does for a lot of the YC companies is that you exit the program with this really high velocity and focus. Um, so that was, you know, our biggest takeaway. Of course, it has other benefits like fundraising and um, recruiting and customer acquisition, et cetera. Um, but just that pacing alone, um, it's such, a, such an incredible um, value add in the early days.
2: I think it's super fascinating that personalization is something that, I think right now is more of a buzzword than like a reality and it's slowly becoming a reality and, you know, tools like mutiny that are out there. Um, I'm curious, like, what do you feel like, you know, in your marketing days in the past could have really benefited from personalization? Like what were some of the things where you just kind of clearly saw that the customer journey or the buyer's journey, Was just missing this one element. I mean, we talk about it on the show a lot about like not to rag on SDRs and and folks like that, but like I know for me personally, I don't really ever want to talk to an SDR or get emailed by them, like ever for any product I've ever bought. Um, So so it's it's like one of those things. I think like that's that's one example. We actually just had. we had a guest on who runs marketing for uh, for Goldman Sachs new new product, Marcus, and he was saying how one of the things that they did is put actual human beings on on the call number uh, that you call rather than having like the automated like click through a million things because that's what other big banks do. So it like I you know with digital exploding, it seems like personal, personalization is like like you said it's more important than ever, but it's also extremely challenging.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things, there's a couple of things that are challenging about personalization. Um, the first piece of it has to do a lot with the science of it. Um, so just figuring out how to, um, change a a digital experience based on who that person is, um, in and of itself can be really challenging, right? So if you want to like, for example, personalize a website, you need to know, um, lot of things about that audience so you need to take your data and enrich it and augment it so that you can know actionable things not their favorite color but things like their industry or their role or the size of the company that they're coming in from um, or you know what stage of the funnel they might be in all of this um, has a has a big engineering burden you then need to be able to prioritize between all of the different, um, you know, personalizations that you could do. So now that you have uh, this richer understanding of your visitors, which of those characters you choose, um, and then you have to be able to change the experience of, you know, wherever they are at scale. So whether it's a web page or email or ads, et cetera, um, and then you have to be able to measure: well, did it work? Right? Because you're doing all of this so that you can see. A meaningful increase in in leads, uh, and so just that plumbing can be extremely uh, prohibitive. Uh, most B two B marketers don't have access to engineers. You know, I mean, I was lucky at Gusto. We had a growth engineering team that was dedicated to marketing projects. But even though I had a team, it wasn't like I we had these you know, uh, abundance of uh, engineering and analytical resources that were just sitting there waiting to take on a project, uh, if only we could come up with ideas for that, right? Um, they were always still our biggest um, our biggest bottleneck. We had to be extremely prioritized. So, you know, the the first component of it is that it's just hard to figure out all of the tooling and the plumbing. And then once you have that, then the question is, What do you show uh, to your visitors? What is a good personalized experience? Um, How do you prioritize between all these different groups? What part of your website, what parts of your buying journey should you actually personalize uh, for the the buyer, which is, you know, I think kind of what you were getting at. Um, And that gets into the art of personalization, right? And so um, personalization has both uh, challenges around the art and science. And I think that's partially why it's been so difficult to get it right. Because even if you gave somebody all the tooling, that doesn't mean that they know how to properly implement it. And you know, for us, um, I think having gone through personalization uh, personally, um, we were very aware of both the art and science challenges. Um, and the way we have addressed that um, at Mutiny is that even though um, you can personalize every aspect of the buying experience and it's all gonna be super valuable, we focused on the web because it was an extremely important channel, but yet B2B marketers don't have um, or at least haven't traditionally had the ability to do interesting things to to improve its conversion um, so and, and it's a really great place from a data standpoint as well and so we also created focus around b2b so we only exclusively work with b2b companies and then we have a recommendation based approach so once somebody onboards with mutiny and activates all their data sources we start to analyze their traffic and start telling them, hey, here's a group that, for example, healthcare doesn't perform well on your website, even though it's performing really well in Salesforce, for example. Um, or here's a best practice. You, know, you have a lot of visitors coming to your website that are existing customers, um, and currently they're just seeing the, uh, the website. Um, and we'll pair each of these audience recommendations with a very specific playbook. So we might say, Say hey for these existing visitors uh, or these existing customers that are coming to the site, you should show them um, our the upsell playbook, and we will um, we will have examples of how other companies have done it, and so all of that is packaged into a really nice, thoughtful playbook, and the customer can then. You know, if, they, if that's a playbook they want to deploy, they would just click on it, that segment's automatically created for them, and then they just dive into a visual editor to start making changes um, based on what makes sense for them. And then once they launch that, analytics is incorporated automatically because everything launches into experiment mode, which means 50% of the audience is held out um, and does not see the personalized experience. So they can just come back and see in a week, in two weeks, in a month, how is this experience experience doing, and what is the exact impact that they're getting on qualified leads. Um, I mean, there's so much more that we want to build to expand personalization to, you know, more channels, et cetera. Um, But um, from day one, we've been very focused on, you know, we have to solve both the art and science for some subset of the market so that they can just start getting value out of it. And we ultimately measure success at Mutiny based on increase in qualified leads. We don't really look at fuzzy metrics. We don't just look at adoption. It's all about, are we impacting the bottom line for this company or not?
2: What are some examples of, you know, marketers that you've talked to, CMOs, heads of marketing, um, as you've had these conversations before they join Mutiny where uh, they're like, hey, you know, we would really love to be able to do blank. And we just can't really get there right now with our capacity?
1: We typically come across uh, four problems, um, at least as related to the web. Um, The first big one is um, we have target accounts and we want to put the most compelling experience in front of these target accounts because we've done a bunch of research these folks are really important to us and we don't have that many of them Um, and so when they come to our website or or when we go outbound through sdrs to them we want to make sure that they are seeing the most personalized compelling version of our uh, messaging um, and that they understand how important they are to us. So that's one really, really common. I would say about half of our inbound signups are looking to do something for target accounts. The the most common one after that is just, you know, the, the company serves multiple types of buyers. Um, they sell multiple products. Um, and they, um, today, they might have a bunch of solutions pages uh, on their website that no one 's going to um, you know they have people that are at different stages of the funnel so they have folks that are coming to them for the very first time versus folks that have been um, interacting with them for um, you know they're kind of in a, at the pipeline stage um, and they want to shift the messaging from more how it works, kind of top of funnel uh, messaging to why are we the best solution if this is a problem that you're trying to solve. Um, They also want to do things like, you know, if you're coming from one industry, um, you should be seeing social proof and messaging um, that's relevant to your industry, for example. Um, And and, and so that, you know, general, I would say like website conversion increase, um, is, is, is the next big bucket. For B2B, um, you know, we're not selling a thousand different products. Typically, we're selling the same thing, um, but it's sold uh, and communicated about very differently depending on who the buyer is. And that's the kind of customization that people want to be able to do um, rather th- so that as soon as you get to their homepage, within the first 30 seconds, the customer's seen the most relevant content and they convert as opposed to bounce. The third one that's almost like neck and neck with website conversion is separating self-service from enterprise buyers. So this tends to be a bit of a hybrid of the first two, um, but it's a, it's a really big problem, especially for SaaS companies because most of them start in, uh, with one market and then they try to expand to another market. And often they start with self-service and then they want to uh, then move up market. Um, and as soon as they do that, you know, Amplitude was a really good example. Um, You know, this was one of the challenges that they had. Um, Their company had decided to prioritize enterprise, but, they were still getting a very high volume of their leads and, and revenue was coming from self-service. They wanted to be able to bifurcate if somebody is an enterprise buyer versus, um, versus a, more of a, a, an SMB or smaller buyer to be able to show them different experiences, um, different calls to action, different messaging, different logos, et cetera. And then finally, I would say um, one that we get um, less often, but whenever um, it is a big channel for B2B, it is probably one of the most important places to personalize is in paid marketing. Um, and that's because the, the cost is incredibly visible. Um, most companies can spend as much as they want on paid acquisition as long as they show that their cost of customer acquisition is, um, is, is scalable and that they're making more money than they're spending. Um, and so most companies, especially high growth companies that we work with, for example, um, like Brex, for instance, they are constrained at, okay, um, if they can just lower their cost of acquisition, they will be able to expand the paid channel even more quickly. Um, and so they're very interested in, in, in being able to use personalization to convert more users and therefore, Reduce the cost per customer so that they can increase the growth rate of the overall program.
2: You know, we talk a lot in in ABM about how important the different stakeholders are that need totally different types of content. You know what I mean? Like, or different types of things. For example, if you're buying technology, IT is a stakeholder no matter what. Whether or not they're involved, they might be involved in the buying decision or they might not. But at some point, due to a governance, standpoint or whatever it is, IT or, or, or technology is going to be involved. I'm curious, like, what have you seen from that perspective? Because those are the sort of things that, you know, so many people build their site for the decision maker, for that end buyer, and then maybe for the person who is your day-to-day contact, but those other stakeholders, the CFO, the CIO, whoever it is, those are hugely important as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I would say we see uh, different stakeholder messaging uh, the most within ABM programs because uh, those are larger deals where you definitely have multiple people that will need to be involved during the the process at some point or another. Dialpad is actually a good example of this. Um, They create one-on-one personalized pages they tailor the page to the persona that they are talking to. So if they're talking to a sales leader, um, they would use different messaging versus if they're talking to more of the operations or the technical person that supports sales, for example. Um, And so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, um, that, that you, you're able to do. I would say um, in general, any kind of personalization is going to be better than a totally generic message. Um, and as you are getting deeper and deeper in the funnel, personalization by persona becomes more important. Um, but in the early awareness stage, even just personalizing to their company um, can—you know—we see that have between like fifty to two hundred percent lift in um, demos booked. Um, when when that messaging is is tailored, versus you know, kind of like the example you were mentioning, is you don't really like to get uh, called on or or emailed by SDRs. Um, if you you know, the way that our customers use Mutiny is that they they send the customer a fully personalized page that is made for their company, and and sometimes even for their role, um, and it has a custom URL, and they say, hey, like, I want you to take a look at this. Um, We think we can, you know, solve your problem in these specific ways, and we've laid that out for you here. Um, And there's a, you know, image of the page within the email. Um, So, you know, we tend to see really, really high click-through rates that then end up converting Um, this was for Brex has done a number of these campaigns with custom offers and things like that. And they saw three X, the signups and 60% more reply rates when they were using the personalized pages. Um, and you know, I think it just speaks to the fact that we're all really inundated. There's so much information out there. Um, you brought up the, the metric around, Uh, 67% of the buying journey is online. Um, Well, competition is also really up. Um, I think I read somewhere that on average there's nine alternatives now to every single product. And that alternative, it's just a Google search away, right? And so if someone doesn't like what you have sent them or, or if they come to your website and they don't understand what you do, they can just X out of it and go use something else. And so because of how much noise there is, it's even more important that you show that you've been, um, you know, thoughtful. And of course, you know, you can't actually be that thoughtful with every single person. So you need scalable ways to be able to provide that type of personalization.
2: It's funny we have uh, we got to have like a marketing trends episode just based off of the mutiny crew because we've had Keith Messick from Dialpad on a bunch, we've had Emily Kramer from Carta, uh, Megan Eisenberg from TripActions. Like how many mutiny customers have been? Uh, must <laughs> all, all of they're cutting edge, right? All of all all your customers are cutting edge because clearly they come on marketing trends to talk about it.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that's our customer acquisition strategies. We just look at who comes on <laughs> the podcast go. and then we reach out to hey, them. <laughs> if,
2: you know, it's it's not a bad strategy. If you're looking for the smartest names in marketing, uh, it's, it's a great list here at Marketing Trends.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we've had, um, to your point, we've had a lot of um, the best companies that are typically the hardest to sell to uh, use mutiny. And so from very early days, by the time we ended, YC, well, like half of our customers were, were, you know, what we call unicorns. I know we all hate that term, but, um, you know, these like billion dollar companies uh, that got there really quickly. Uh, and we weren't even necessarily in the early days trying to do that. Um, we just happened to um, attract a lot of those high growth companies, um, in the early days. Um, and and then we realized like, wow, there's a really clear trend here where the better your growth team, the, the faster you move, um, the, the more you are sort of aware that this is personalization is, it's not just this feature, but it's just a way to market. Um, and you know, they want to get their hands on it and start becoming an expert at it ahead of the rest of the, the market.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I think, you know, the best CMOs we talk, I mean, obviously, you know, we're based here in in the Bay area and Silicon Valley, and we talk a lot about SaaS and technology on the show. But I think the reason why we do that is because, um, it's the best way to augment your team. And if you're not a technology company, you need to use technology and have a really sophisticated tech stack, um, help sales and like, you know, your website is your first line of defense for that, right? Like if you're not investing in your website, it's, it's pretty crazy at this point, right? And like you think of how many websites are not really evolving. Um, It's pretty remarkable when you think about it.
1: Yeah. I think in, you know, three to five years from now, we're going to look back and laugh at the time when (laughs) websites were just these giant digital brochures. I mean, it's, it's a lot like, um, you know, if you think about sales, for example, um, no one really even thinks about this concept of tailoring and customization as a separate thing. Um, To be good at sales, you have to be good at understanding the customer and adjusting um, what you talk about based on that and in marketing uh, it's a completely foreign concept it's all we do is we pick one key way to describe the company doesn't matter what the size of the company d- don't care what stakeholder you are don't care if you're just learning about the product versus you're and you know you're deep into your consideration process um, everybody just gets the same message and, and I think um, part of the reason for that is that it's been, you know, it's been really hard to, to personalize. So it's not necessarily you know, the fault of every marketer. The, the technology hasn't necessarily been there to make that process easy. Most B2B marketers, you know, especially within SaaS, like, don't have full control of their website. They don't, they don't have access to um, or the ability to understand all of their visitors and be able to segment them and do these things. And so, and, and the data, you know, hasn't necessarily been there. And so, you know, hopefully what we're enabling is, um, is now that the technology is going to be there and, 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 and the best practices are there, um, then uh, marketers or B2B marketers can start to kind of incorporate Um, what should be a pretty sort of native part of marketing, which is this idea of understanding customers and adapting to them into the way they think about, you know, every time they create messaging or a website.
2: Yeah. And so many, I was, we were just having a conversation about this yesterday about websites um, offline, not on the, not on the podcast about how, and how maybe you have some stats on this if there's like 12 decision makers in a given group that are making a buying decision um, that have to sign off on, you know, a really expensive thing. Like I'm sure, you know, with Gusto, even though you're, you're moving SMB so you're working with a small group as you get higher and higher into, you know, larger size accounts. It's like Ben Horowitz talks about this, that when you're buying something that touches every employee in the company, it's a huge decision. When you're buying a technology that impacts like two people in the company, it's not usually as big of a decision because you don't have to do the kind of change management of, hey, our whole company has to get on board with this. And our whole company isn't buying it, but everyone needs to buy into it, right? So we were talking about the idea of the website and how many times that a buyer or a decision maker or the person two levels above that, the CEO of the company will go to just check out the company like before you buy it and just spend like 90 seconds on the website. Like that's it. And if you don't have kind of that experience kind of nailed down, in addition to the myriad of other use cases of people, why, why they would be using your website, you're probably leaving some money on the table. Right. And I think that for that exact reason, we optimize the website for the 90 second experience and not all the others. Right. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you think about that.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest opportunity is is in helping the visitor immediately understand what the product is and how it helps them. I think a lot of times when we think about personalization, we think of it as, oh, this daunting thing. And, you know, we'll have to like hire five people we can, before we can have a, a program around it. Um, and so I want to kind of share maybe a few examples of, of the ramp up to that. Fire away. So, for instance, Amplitude has um, uh, one of the personalizations that they do is they change the logos on their homepage they also have logos on their sign-up form and and pricing page. They changed that to just match the vertical that the user is coming in from. So, like a consumer company, you know, would see. Uh, Postmates and Twitter and, uh, you know, Microsoft, whereas...
2: Oh, the, the yeah, they're their customer logos. I see. I thought you meant their exactly. company logo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So if you're in yeah. retail, you see Under Armour and, and Adidas. Uh, and if you're in media, exactly. you see, you know, whatever. Oh, that's fascinating. And, that's great.
1: Yeah. And that simple personalization for top five verticals that are that have the highest traffic on their site which of course like within mutiny they can see exactly the size and conversion for every vertical um that gets them 54 percent more qualified leads so just if you see personalized logos or you see the the mix that you know the the generic experience which is just like a mix of logos um that increases um conversion by 54% more leads just like that. Uh, you know, if you think about it for most B2B companies, AdWords, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of these channels together don't generate even 20%, sometimes even 10% of their qualified leads. Um, but making a change like that for a channel that, in, that receives traffic from every single customer acquisition channel that you have, like they're going to eventually end up on the website. Um, that's a huge, huge impact to the bottom line. Another example, you know, Brax has been with us since the very early days. Uh, we have a feature where we, we uh, send uh, Slack uh, notifications. And so we have, um, there's specific alerts for ABM, but, you know, if they viewed a personalized page or converted, um, but we also send kind of a daily roll up. And if you look at Brax's, and we show them like how many, here's what you have personalized and this, how many more leads you're getting. It's kind of crazy, like the, what they are getting every single day because of their personalized experiences. Um, And for them, it started again, like super simple. Um, Initially um, they had, um, you know, when they were doing their launch, they had a list of companies that were startups. Um, they, at the time, they only had the uh, startup product, uh, the startup credit card product. Um, and so they just had a list and they wanted to reach out to those people with a personalized message. Um, and they send them um, each uh, a personalized page um, that had a custom offer for each company. And that got them the metrics that I was talking about earlier with 3x the the qualified signups. And they ran, it was so good that they ran it again uh, as another A-B test where the only difference was including the personalized or not. um, And they saw uh, basically the very similar results. Um, And then um, what they did after that is they introduced their e-commerce product. Um, So now they have a card for e-commerce. Um, And so they wanted to, they already had a great experience for startups, they wanted to have a different experience for e-commerce. And so they use Mutiny to basically bifurcate the experience for e-commerce versus startup. Um, And, you know, that has had a huge impact for them. Um, I think that's like maybe 30% increase in leads. Uh, They then added uh, geo personalization. So if you're coming from Chicago versus New York, um, you know, uh, then you see a different, Personalization. Um, and I think that increased our leads by 60% for whoever was seeing that personalization. And so, you know, the idea is, you know, now a year and a half in, um, Brex, that, you know, that they've been working with Mutiny. Um, they have multiple experiences running and they're generating, um, all sorts of additional leads, but there is a very simple path where, you know, um, in the first month, um, to three months, you're just trying to launch, you know, a couple of things and you, you know, it takes about less than uh, two hours a week, uh, for whoever's running the program. And you're just trying to get your quick win so that you have early validation and you know that this is a good investment. And then once you have that, then you kind of expand each quarter uh, from there and and, and you put into it whatever you want. Um, I I think this old school um, view that we have of personalization that you literally have to like change every word on your website. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's not true. It's the changes are relatively simple. It's headlines, it's logos, it's calls to action. Um, you know, it's the, it's the things that people skim when they look at a web page, and that just having those things be compelling, that's enough for the person to say, you know what, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to learn more about this product.
2: Okay. So switching gears a little bit towards some of the, those lessons learned from Gusto and previous companies, I should say too, you've been an advisor at, at a bunch of different places and EIR and uh, been involved in a few different venture funds like social capital and, uh, and Sequoia and places throughout your career. So it seems like you're pretty dialed in on the technology side of things. Um, and so were there any things from a marketing perspective at Gusto um, or just favorite campaigns that you ran over the years that were something that you kind of, you know, bring with you now and hope to do again or something like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so many, so many things. I could probably fill 10 podcasts with lessons learned um, at uh, at Gusto. Um, I'll, I'll pick kind of two uh, higher level ones um, that I really take with me. Uh, and, and I would, and I think they're the most valuable for um for folks that are running marketing um the The first one was that um I learned that marketing is a lot simpler than we think um so when I first became a head of marketing, I had fomo right, and so I wasn't sure okay, there's all these channels, everyone's talking about all these best practices, and um, and, you know, what are we missing out on, Um, and so I was just constantly taking meetings with folks, and trying to learn, okay, what channels are you using, and, and, you know, what, um, and and trying to kind of extrapolate all these, um, these specific best practices, I thought there was some silver bullet answer um, out there that we, that we had to do, and as I, Uh, Gain more experience as we launched more tasks as 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 we started to get more of these wins and losses under under our own belt um, I sort of realized that um, Like there's just a much simpler way to look at everything like at the end of the day We have a product that is built for a certain set of people in the market and, um, we're just trying to get that product into their hands. And like, sure, there's a bunch of channels and different routes to get there, but a channel is just about like, where do our customers hang out? Right. Customer journey is just, how do you make the decision easy for the customer? Um, and, and so, you know, to give you kind of a specific example, um, when we, uh, first did content marketing, I think we did a lot of things wrong. Um, which was, you know, we started to collect all these best practices around SEO. And, and, you know, there was all these like lessons, like, well, you need to create one really large guide, and then turn it into lots of small ones. And, and we were just armed with all these things that you do in a content marketing channel. Um, And, um, and we were writing, you know, these big pieces of content around HR best practices, etc. And, we hit a little bit of reset on it and said, you know what, like, let's go back to our customers. And um, at the end of the day, they're trying to solve a set of problems. And if our content matches those problems, then it's going to be a successful program. And if it doesn't, then it's not. So let's go back and talk to customers. And um, everyone on the team went and took like five customers to go talk to. And um, with the goal of coming back with a clean articulation of that customer's top three functional or emotional needs. Um, And once we aggregated all of that, we concluded that their biggest need was to find the um, answer to their HR questions as quickly as possible um, and for that answer to be trusted. And once you reframe it like that, then it becomes really clear like, wow, they don't actually wanna read really long pieces. Um, They don't wanna learn proactively about um, HR or payroll and these things. They want um, a really easy and fast sort of quickest possible answer from a source that they trust. Um, and so, you know, the way that you would approach building content marketing for an audience that's looking for that is really different than even what we were doing. And that was coming directly from the fact that the customer we were selling to were not HR experts. They were earlier in their, um, in their company's journey where they wore multiple hats. Um, and so... You know, um, and, and that, that persona is so different than what our customers want, for example, at Mutiny. They, they want nothing more than to proactively learn about best practices, right? Um, and, and, and so that really shifted, you know, where we even sourced ideas. Ideas for what we would write about. We relied a lot more on our own customer success and customer support tickets, as opposed to, um, as opposed to like more kind of visionary type of content that we were writing. Um, and and so simplifying and 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 thinking about the customer and what you are trying to do and what they're trying to do is um, is, is is now um, how I approach um, any complex marketing channel. And then once the program reaches sophistication levels, then of course you can like start to incorporate and bring in more channel expertise and things like that. Um, but you you want to start kind of with this more customer centric view. And then the the second big lesson for me um, is that you need mastery to be good at growth. Uh, there is no silver bullet. And the market's way too competitive. There's too much noise. And so if you are um, kind of a paranoid marketer and you're going after 12 different channels and um, don't want to miss out on anything, um, you don't create the kind of focus that you need in order to reach mastery uh, within a smaller set of, you know, or within a fewer number of channels. You have to do something better than anyone else. You have to figure things out that no one else has figured it out. And there's no way to do that if you've just scratched the surface on each channel. So, for instance, you know, we had an accountant program um, where at Gusto, where we would, um, we, we had our direct um, to SMB program, and then we also... Um, they would add their accountants. And, and then because the accountant needs access to payroll, um, we realized like, hey, some of them were actually reaching out and were resellers of payroll and wanted to learn more. And so, you know, we started to make it more obvious for SMEs to add their accountant as part of their onboarding. Um, now, once we did that, now all the sales teams were calling those accountants and saying, oh, these aren't good leads because like only 10% of them are are even interested. The other 90% was a waste of my time. Um, and so then like, okay, well, let's put in the effort to figure out how to score these leads, how to separate the good ones from the ones that are not ready yet. Um, and that took a lot of effort, but we ultimately figured out, you know, at least like the right, the right um, initial mix um, for how we needed to treat those leads. Um, and, you know, once we Um, once we did that, then we're realizing accountants are, they don't really want to sell the program, um, to their customers. Um, they want to give advice. And so instead of asking them to sell Gusto, you know, we would create trigger-based content for them where we'd say, okay, this particular R&D tax credit came out. So that's a thing that they want to talk to their accountant about. And, and, and we would give them content that they could then send to their small businesses start a conversation that was then kind of tangentially related to payroll um, and and so they could kind of segue into it Um, but you know these are just some examples we probably had like 50 different things that we did for the accountant program now it's an incredible thriving program for the company with all sorts of richness and complexity and if somebody else enters the market and just wants to be like oh we can you know let's go blast accountants to have them sell our product they're going to be very unsuccessful relative to the richness that we have developed over years. But we would have never gotten there had we not sort of been focused on it and constantly iterated um, into like a program that we've now mastered. And of course, I mean, there's always, everything is a work in progress, but, um, but that's what it really takes to build big channels. Um, so less is more.
2: That's super fascinating. And I think it, it kind of just speaks to the volume of like kind of depth, of the customer experience that you need to really understand and empathize with to be able to create the things that are going to drive value to those folks. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com marketing to learn more about amazing marketing on the world's number one CRM that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Jelly, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun?
1: Lyft. (laughs) It's the one I use the most. Instagram.
2: What is your hidden talent or passion?
1: I am obsessed with neuroscience. Go on. (laughs) Um, I think just, um, you know, like kind of the intersection of psychology and neuroscience is really, really interesting to me. So how the mind works, um, how to train it, um, you know, those are all really fascinating to me.
2: What is your favorite podcast book, audio book that you've read or listened
1: to recently? How to Not Die, audiobook that I listened to. It's all about a plant based diet. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm from Iran, so I eat a lot of meat, the lamb in particular. Uh, and this was a really kind of interesting framing that looked at the impact of uh, food on different types of um, eventual diseases uh, and shared a lot of data around that. And so uh, I would say that's the book that has had the biggest impact on me. Because I now eat a lot less meat. It's
2: funny. Second guest to recommend that book uh, in the past uh, in the past week. Um, really? Yeah. What is your best advice for a first time CMO or head of marketing?
1: Spend time selling your product. Go and actually take ten leads. And, figure, and, and close those leads, like spend as much time as you can uh, learning directly from your customers. Um, you know, I think shadowing and things like that is good, but there is no substitute for actually closing deals yourself. And once you do that, you will have so much more appreciation for um, what the customer wants, uh, what sales needs from you. Um, and you'll also have a lot more of, you know, respect from the sales team. Um, And then once you've spent that, you know, first sort of like 60 days entrenching yourself in uh, what customers and sales need and you have your own, you know, firsthand experience with that, then trust your instincts, narrow the uh, range of options, uh, take a few areas that you want to take a bet in, and then uh, then have an experimental approach within each of those areas um, to be able to get to results and iterate as quickly as possible.
2: What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often?
1: How do you bring your team along? Um, how do you how do you nurture them? How do you align the business with what your different you know team members need um, on a more like personal career level? Uh, I think those things are really, really challenging. Um, and ultimately, the success of a marketing program is so much more about, Um, the success of the individuals than it is about any specific sort of marketing tactic.
2: That's it. That's all we got. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Any, uh, Any final thoughts?
1: No, thanks so much for having me. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.